Happy holidays. We're going to get to the regularly scheduled program. Just a moment, but first, a leftover voicemail from our 200th episode from one of our 200th friends. Hello, Verbal Tap MMA Comedy Podcast. It's Brandon McCather, your friend and neighbor. I wanted to say happy anniversary to you guys. Very proud of you. You're four years into your little podcast show or wherever this is. And um, it's not as bad as I expect it to be. Usually I'm pleasantly surprised despite um, the caliber of humans that produce it. So I love y'all very much. I also want to say that Kevin still owes me a song. And uh, I'm patiently waiting for that to happen for about two years now. And um, I'm just going to need you to step your game up, Kevin. You are my fire, my one desire, believe. When I say I want it that way, tell me why it ain't Tell me why it ain't I think he says mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say I want it that way. Raph, it's a tough moment when you realize you're not going to get invited to the good-looking fight kids club that was going on between Northcutt and Gall this week. That was tough for me. I know I'm just dealing with my age, but that means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting can be emotionally tough to handle aging process-wise from outside the cage. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing this evening? Good. Better than Sage Northcutt, I can imagine. Definitely, though. It's not like he got that much roughed up. So in terms of losing, if I was going to get, um, say, uh, Yoel Romero'd, I would much <laughs> rather get Mickey Galt. Okay. Is, okay. You know, it's I a mean, gentle art. Well, not just beaten up, but beaten up in English, apparently. Emotionally, it was tough. The cockiness. Uh, great fights, but it just, the buildup of youth was really fun. Nicely well, done, UFC. Don't get it twisted the fact that, yes, there was some uh, apparent shit talking between Sage Northcutt Live. and Mickey Gall in between yeah. the rounds. Did you know this, Kev? I heard it was going on. I did not see what uh, Sage was saying. Because Mickey was saying, like, uh, throughout the week, he purposely was trying to get under Sage's skin. And Sage is one of those super, oh, gosh, and uh, you can't get under me, man. Oh, man. I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. So apparently this was going on. And finally, during the fights, 
uh, I think Sage was like saying things to him like, oh man, I totally thought your guard was going to be harder to pass. Uh, and it's like, uh, it's not, I mean, I guess it's shit talking and I guess it's probably problematic or something, but uh, Mickey was saying like in between he was, he was talking a little bit of shit. Now, Kev, this prompted a major moment. Sounds adorable. That happened backstage though. Okay. And I put it out there. I wanted to know if the fans wanted some kind of insight as if maybe we had audio of what the conversation must have sounded like when the Diaz brothers confronted Sage Northcutt behind the scenes. Gave him a little confrontation advice. Well, I would love to hear uh, any sort of recreation. Okay, I, I think we can muster up the audio if you want to yeah, go ahead and uh, fire that up. Hit uh, play. We'll just uh, do a... There we go. Hey, what's up, fucking dork? What the shit? I've been seeing, you know, you get in there and you're like fighting that fucking, what, Mario Lopez? And it's like, yeah, I know, I get it. You're Zach Morris and shit, but what the fuck? Hey, wow, gosh, both the JS brothers, it's really nice to meet you guys. Oh, man, this is really cool. What, what are you guys doing here? Nah, you know, I thought you were a fucking dork. You know, me and my brother, um, we were like looking at you and we're like, what the fuck is this guy's fucking deal? And then I realized something. I heard you were talking shit in the middle of the round. What'd you tell Mickey Gall? Oh, I just said, oh, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> your guard's really easy to pass. <laughs> yeah, and then what'd you say? Like, what was the shit you talked? I just told him, oh gosh, I, I can't believe I passed your guard twice now. Yeah, you're fucking dark, kid. Listen, listen. I've seen your lockdown. I, I've seen your your rear naked choke defense. And uh, Dana is probably gonna pay me a whole shit ton of money if I teach you how to like defend a rear naked choke. So, like, you in or what? Yeah, of course. Where are we gonna go? Oh, well, first we're gonna go to fucking Compton because like I just want to go there. And then we're going to go back to Stockton because you know two hundred nine. And we're gonna turn you into a motherfucking gangster, kid. You got some real M&M possibility in your hair. So we're going to do that. Transmission over. That was I, all we had. I like Sage to the 209. <laughs> That's, there's the teaser, everybody. Look out for uh, 2017 when Sage is training the 209 way. Stoned. His hair's like grown into a bowl because he's growing it out, but it's not quite there yet. This is. I haven't uh, made this meme yet, but I will. I'm basically going to take... Uh, I guess the movie probably blood in blood out and have the Diaz brothers photoshopped on some faces and then Sage Northcutt as the white brother. That would be amazing. I just, I want that. Uh, I want that union and I would like a documentary crew to be around, but especially for the first party. If you really look at that photo carefully though, it does look like Sage has a real, Oh shit moment. Like, looking at the UFC being like, oh, guys, my parents said I'm not supposed to be around the Diaz brothers. Mm. If I may, there was only a few seconds that I thought they were going to all pull off NWA shirts and just start walking around uh, and NWO, excuse me. Ah, okay. I was about to say, shirts. let's let's walk that one back, As just rap group enthusiasts. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) We're big fans. Yep, uh, and, no, and NWO shirts. Rap groups to confuse with Kev. Well, the I acronyms mean, are very similar. 
I'm just saying. Uh, yes, that would have been amazing if they were NWO for life, which um, I don't know, man. I, I'm excited by this Hogan's union. Because there. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it, I mean, it would actually, you know, it would be similar. Or to Ice Cube. Your I'd be good with either. <laughs> that would also be awesome. They, have, they both have made family films. Here's the reason why <laughs> that metaphor almost works. It's because Hulk Hogan, when he did turn, he was the world's biggest face. And then it was the biggest swerve in the industry when he was a bad guy. So, yeah, it makes sense that the Zach Morris, who's shit-talking, is even still pretty dumb, uh, all of a sudden becomes the best guy in the world to then go with the bad boys of MMA. Yeah, no, 100%. The two. I was just curious why they like went up to talk to him. They just figured his jiu-jitsu was that bad they needed to have a chat. Show us that Apple thing. Show it to us live. <laughs> Stabs a pen in it, smokes some weed. I'm just uh, speculating. Yeah, okay, yeah. Bad influences. Bad influences. Mm. Hey, speaking of bad influences, your uh, friends were fighting at Studio 540 this week. Mm-mm. Big flow grappling event. Gordon Ryan faced off against Felipe Pena. Gary Tonin fights a very game Kim Tara and you've got Nicky Ryan versus I knew him as mini Cobrinha. I'm finding that's not what we call him. Well, uh, yes and no, because, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy as they keep referring Mark to him, but... is, uh, his name. However, the problem with that is, is they then were saying on the broadcast on the commentary, uh, expertly done by Sean Williams, of course, uh, and our good friend, Tyler Bishop, they were saying that this was the first time I believe he wanted to be billed as Kennedy Cobrinha. Okay. So look out for that. If it wasn't terrifying enough that you couldn't figure out, oh, wait, his dad's Cobrinha? Then just look at his passing. Yeah. Just look at his passing. <laughs> People would know from a distance. Uh, some pretty great fights in terms of just high octane because he versus Nicky Ryan goes to overtime interesting to watch them square off the uh future of jiu-jitsu is strong as is the present yeah but it's uh it's crazy i do want to say one thing about their their work um you know nikki looked really calm in terrible spots and uh there's nothing to be ashamed of in, in terms of his loss i thought he he looked really composed when Kennedy was putting it on him for a really long time. Had a really good back control the the entire event that he was fighting. And I, I was really impressed by that because I would have lost that back control at least like 25 times. But Kennedy kept moving the right way, maintaining it, attacking very viciously. Um, it, it was a really cool clash to see. So, yeah, when you, you see these kids go to overtime, um, it, it's truly something epic. So, it was it was something interesting to see uh, as the leadoff. Uh, one thing I was laughing at a lot during that match was uh, Gary was coaching Nikki while warming up. So there was something funny to watch Gary doing like some minor calisthenics over on the side, jumping jacks, flips, gymnastic kind of nonsense, and then yelling out, "All right, all right, now what you need to do? You need to get your your your." Face to the floor, Nikki. Come on. And I was like, "This is hilarious to see." 
Yeah. Gary always like just sticking out doing one of those sideways planks. It's like mm-hmm. how's he even yeah. There's like nine hundred pictures of him hanging by his legs upside down at Studio five forty because he's a giant nerd about that stuff, so there's that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Gary, let's talk about his match what? and then what it means for us because um, there might be a hidden implication for us here at the show, but let's talk about his match first. I'm really curious about that. He yeah. is a terrorist with people Wait. that even remotely <laughs> weigh near him. Oh, okay. Vicious and violent. He I was hoping went. you were just going to stop right there. He's a terrorist of the <laughs> ass variety. Oh, wow. And that was it. That's just that's what yeah. it's going to say. That's a great tombstone for him. This guy was an ass terrorist. Uh, 1994 to whatever. I don't know how old he is. The the passing, the foot attacks, great stuff. He submitted him with a guillotine. After they were, I mean, about 16, 17 minutes in. Yep. Pretty impressive pace. Those two wouldn't get tired, but uh, Kim Tara, very good. We've seen him fight. On the EBI stage, we've seen him a lot. IBJJF, very sound, very game. Gary, at his weight class, and you messaged me during, it's like, it's fun to watch him at this weight. It's like, fun's a word. I wonder how his <laughs> opponents feel. It's serious. Well, you say it like that. What I, I believe I actually said was, it's close to watch Gary fight people who aren't monsters. Because there's been this whole thing about promoting Gary in fights where he's the small guy. He's going up against these giants. And granted, EBI was him filling in for Gordon, so sure. But there's so many, like the Polaris thing, the rumored thing with him and uh, Dean Lister, which then we later learned was not a thing at the end when Gary announced that apparently Dean's injured. So we hope Dean a steady recovery because I know Gary wants that match because he wants to take on a legend. And that would have been a great exposure for submission underground. But hopefully they're working on something else. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. But if we're really talking about Gary and why he's so uh, interesting to watch, it's his movement. Like nobody really moves that comfortably. A lot of people move with purpose. But Gary's is almost a playful, like, cat-like reflex. And there were moments where he's just as like, take my leg, do whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. At one point, Gary had the – how do I explain this? He had the body positioning of what I like to call uh, a slumber party <laughs> where he was belly down, had his arms out. And his hands with his chin resting on it. And uh, you have Kim Tara working on a toehold that, uh, for me, probably would have been night over. But for Gary, it was just like, what you thinking about, guys? Do you guys like, do you like boys? Who do you like? Do you like Gordon or me? Who do you like better? Be honest. Be honest. So anyway, that was a, a strange phenomenon. But you know, Kim was uh, doing the best job that he could to to throw in a whole bunch of attacks. Gary just very wily with all of his movement. That was very erratic. There was some potential butt slapping that apparently is a thing that happens on shit talking now. We, we do have a strange sport sometimes. And we live in an increasingly stranger world. 
Yeah. It gets very difficult to track. Great, but respectful afterwards, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. Right? They, yeah. They're always hyping a fight, and then, you know. Well, Kev, you're talking about settled. respectful, and we have a lot to talk about with respect, I guess, when we get to this next match. But let's really talk about what's important here, Kev. I mentioned that there was an implication for us. What do you think that means? Uh, Gary owes us something. I don't. I don't know. He owes us his fucking life. Outside um, of his no. success as a fighter and human being. <laughs> yeah, I know. We give him so much great guidance in this world. Uh, no, there was an interesting moment where after this, you know, they were talking about Gary and like what's next and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I guess it had started making the rounds. Because, you know, Dean's out for submission underground. It started making the rounds that, like, I don't know, maybe Gary and John Jones should be a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we know that that's something people would talk about. But why would we know that? We talked about it. We already said wait, that. Wait, who? Us? Us? Us. You, uh, Verbal Tap 200. We're on the record. You well, published that Verbal record. Tap, UFC... 200 episode 181 to be specific somewhere in the 127 region of the podcast gary let's give you the context gary came on the show to take on kevin's ufc 200 picks and kevin who won that one i did it's one of the few times kevin did win and you know what i'm glad he beat gary so gary was also promoting his fight with holic now for those of you who want to go listen to that interview by all means it's on our youtube page it's also on our buzzsprout page you're more than welcome to do that itunes wherever you want to hear it but let's give you some greatest hits from it he's already talking at that point about wanting to have a fight with john jones because at the time we were saying it was going to be uh daniel cormier versus john jones what idiots we were to do a show before John Jones could test positive for something else because oopy doopy, we had to fucking cancel that fight and we'd already recorded the show. However, that still gave us the magic that was Gary saying he would beat John Jones much easier than he would and much worse than he would Holly Gracie. And we were positing that we thought it was an interesting matchup. And I remember still being shocked by his cavalierness because he wasn't a little sure he could win. I, I agree. I, obviously, I think Gary Tonin is a better grappler than I think he is. I, I, I don't know who he is. But Gary's such clear condescension is what makes it pretty exciting for me. So I would invite you all to go back and listen to that interview because uh, it's on our Facebook page. We posted a link to it, so it takes you directly there. But it's um, it's fascinating because, yes, we do ask the questions I'm sure you'd want us to ask, uh, or at least that you think we're capable of asking Gary in that situation. So, yeah, if you guys listen to our show, you know that's uh, – that's something that's been in the works for a while, just in terms of Gary trying to angle that match. It's nothing new because you guys are educated because you listen to the show. Might so, have been me. I might. They might owe me residuals. I, I'll I ask. Think so. Absolutely. And you know, I think don't we get a cut for that? Yeah. Because oh, and this is the beautiful part. This is the beautiful part. We don't have a lot of victories for Kevin on this show, but that was a double victory. Not only did he win over under Kevin, but Kevin was the one to suggest. It would be great to see Gary in a grappling match with John Jones. You might say Kevin, via my influence, provoked that match. 
I then promptly sent some uh, dick pills to John Jones that would spike <laughs> the meter. That was me, oh, wow. guys. Uh, I sabotaged his normal dick pill guy, and I snaked him some gooses. Feel great. Not under that. influence by me, by the way. <laughs> Once that again, Kev had nothing to do with the dick pill swap of 2016. I'm very selective on what I influence and what I don't influence. I'm very ahead of the curve. I know what's happening. Hey, Gordon Ryan fought Felipe Pena for a long time and he sure lost. Did. Yeah. Crazy. Rear naked right. choke and face pushing. <laughs> Let's talk about a few things on that match. First of all, great to see Felipe Pena in there. Uh, I like the fact that he was willing to do a format that he said was way more of Gordon's realm, and I think most people would agree to that, uh, which is still strange because, like, it's not like Gordon's had like a million submission only fights where it happens and it's no time limit. But they said that the advantage goes to Gordon on that, which I guess if you have like two One, submission only two. fights <laughs> that go no time limit that are highly prominent that uh, you have the edge in that. So whatever. Um, but th- the big thing is Philippe Pena is a beast. He's great. We know he's an amazing uh, IBJJF rule, six minutes. Uh, The concept here was supposed to be this. How does somebody fare who does more points tournaments versus somebody who does the submission only, no time limit? So there was this weird divide that's happening. So the match goes on for 40 minutes. And Kev, I need to get your perspectives on this because one of the things I like – so much about this was even though it's 40 minutes and I know people are like, I've got shit to do in those 40 minutes. Aren't you seeing a number of transitions and things that people are doing that are highly impressive in that match? I had a blast. I love the Nogi, (laughs) no time limit. Nogi matches are, uh, I'm in. And the, these weren't no time limit. I was prepared to be invested for an hour. It was good to go. Gary shaved a lot of time off my first match life, uh, sure. so I felt like I had some <laughs> some despair. I told people, I said, just from a production standpoint, my poor brain couldn't help but think, you know, I've scheduled anywhere between one hour, or I'm sorry, I've scheduled anywhere, not just one hour, because one match could be an hour. I've scheduled anywhere between, uh, I don't know, a minute 30 of my schedule and four hours of my life. So prepared. as long as it kind of like fits that region, I guess I'm okay. Prepared to donate either. And uh, we feel good about that. So what was the finish to that match, Kev? And how did it choke? Via okay, and how- pretty tight body triangle if I'm just prescribing what appeared to a... And you could say fatigue played a factor in terms of... I don't know. I thought they both looked tired. <laughs> I was tired. Actually, I thought I thought Gordon looked okay. I think he was getting a little frustrated that Felipe was doing a really good job of keeping his legs out of danger. And uh, that was the big question. Is That's the first time I've ever seen Felipe look exhausted. Because normally you see him in the shorter spouts. And his like hot fire movement is just, oh, this could go on forever. And then you find like maybe at minute 10, he's kind of like, Okay, cool. I'm going to slow down like a little bit because I'm a little tired. 
Yeah. But still super resilient. Then he just kind of switched a little bit of his strategy on where he was going. I thought the most interesting thing about it was his entry into the finish. And it came at the expense of an attack that Gordon was aiming at. But there was an interesting element to that whole scenario that caught me by surprise, which was it looked like Philippe was kind of using a variation of a twister entry into that rear naked choke. And with, but he had the body triangle, which was sort of like, uh, the fuck's he doing? Strong guy too, obviously. Well, it's weird because you know it's a twister variant when you have Eddie Bravo going over to them afterwards and being like, "Oh, hey, hey, you want to you want to talk to me about that?" So the two of them, there was a great, I think, uh, I don't know which magazine had it. Let's just say Jiu-Jitsu magazine or whatever. There is a video on Instagram of the two of them conversing about it. And Eddie doing that, like, head nod that you see him do at EBI when he really likes what somebody has done. Being like, yeah, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was fun to see. Now, Kev, you're Gordon Ryan. Let's pretend for, like, two minutes. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. What do you do now? Uh, immediately go to Facebook and explain that it was rigged. Just as, as a quick. And then I pull off my NWO shirt. Oh. There we wait, go. Wait, he's not NWA or NWO? Which I one? got it right this time. I'm locked in. Unless uh, Gordon has <laughs> some flowing that I'm unaware of. And I think I would know at this point. You know. Jersey wise, I like how he's handled it. You know, he's a fighter. Keep rolling. Take a lesson from Conor McGregor. Just in if you're sort of doing that many thing, uh, and you know, contemplate retiring from jujitsu and finding a new hobby. I think anything in between there is good. So let's do this, Kev, because I put up on my Facebook, I put up a post that said, "Describe this match in three words." Mm-hmm. Okay. And these are always fun because you can tell a lot about people and where they fall on this whole Gordon and and uh, Philippe match because of the way they react to it. And let's just say that people had some feelings about oh, wow. that one. Yeah, there's some uh, – I like this. There's some length here. We've got quite a few uh-huh. comments. Oh, yeah. So, all right. I'll, I'll take the first one. This one comes from our good friend, Joe Elgindi, and it said, life beyond heel hooks. <laughs> uh, and this next one from Jason Yusuf, which I like because it's topical. Mm. Russians hacked it, which is good. That's, uh, Can't that's, prove that's, they didn't, Kev. That's just... The CIA, the FBI, every government agency agrees on it. I've heard that. I've heard that. Uh, Drew Weatherhead from Because Jitsu put down Eddie Bravo, Hefereed. Uh, Jonathan Trio is uh, not the king. That's good. <laughs> uh, Cody Bollinger, who I'll have another story about a little bit later, he put down, I didn't watch. Now, Kev, what's my response to people who does that? Uh, typically, you're going to shame them a little bit. And why would I shame them? Because, you know, if you didn't watch, don't participate. Or not just don't participate. Yes. Be clever is a good one. But that's a lot to ask for Cody Bollinger. But there's a better thing here, which is this. When they try to do that whole 
I didn't watch. No one fucking cares what you do with your life. Stop it. Stop trying to make yourself quasi-important by putting the most cliche fucking dumb thing you can put. Anyway, what did I put underneath him, if you'll read that one? Uh, good one, genius. Yep. Which is All right. Three words. I like Kelly Kelly. It was rigged. <laughs> I love anytime somebody's like, chimes in with that one is good. Uh, Joey Foti also put one uh, that said... Uh, Rear Naked Choke, which is correct. Um, I'm excited for you to read the next one, though. I I did like... Uh, I also liked Ricardo's replay on Flow, just as a good plug. I thought that was nice. And what did I put underneath that? Um, stop it. Which, you know, I, I respect his hustle. Alexander Castro wrote Face Push Slaps, which is very astute. Now, that like, one had a chain to it. Uh, you hashtag John Jones. He wrote he was close. And then uh, Gordon Ryan posted correct where he has a huge mark on his eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Alexander, Alexander nails the punchline with this one. At first, I thought it was the new EBI rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh Andrew Burdock said, Red Belt Documentary 2017, which uh, I don't think we'll see it then either. But uh, next one comes from John Freeman, who said, Y'all on steroids. Which I like. Mm hmm. Uh, Seth Zuez. Seth Schultz. Jeff Schultz. Yes. Worth the beatings. It's nice. With an asterisk, though. With an asterisk. Which is interesting. Uh, Omar French. See, this is, uh, once again, falling into the area of be clever. He or put way too long. correct. Way too long. Like, he's going too long. Or the place called long. Okay. Yeah. He's on his way to a... He, I guess he didn't watch either. We'll chalk him up under a... He's on his way to long. Uh, yep. Idaho? Is that... Yep. It might be Montana. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Damien Nitkin. Good job, Felipe. Which way to keep it positive? Mm-hmm. And Bong Abad, the new king, playing off uh, the older one. I need to I need to stop here because uh, there's a great moment that we had at the LA Jiu Jitsu Club. Our good friend Joey House, I think, was the one who came up with this. It's it's definitely him over Octavio, I think. But he was the one that said, "Well, what happens now with Gordon?" And he's like, "Well, I think he can't wear that crown anymore." <laughs> I think maybe Octavio said no. He goes like oh, I'll say an Octavio voice. He goes no fool. Like he goes down to like the Burger King. Like he can't wear that normal crown. He has to wear the shitty Burger King crown now. Like he can't wear the main one. It's a lower one now. So okay. dare that. Uh, the next one, uh, Glenn Prince put hottie on hottie. So congrats. Okay. Glad you enjoyed that, Glenn. Next one. Uh, Ronald Davila just put the fisting emoji. Uh, I don't. Know uh, I have the three kings on here. Oh, oh, that's what those are. Sorry, my eyes. <laughs> I was uh... <laughs> as we check Kevin's <laughs> dying eyesight. Oh, we're Next back. This one comes from Joey Foti again, who apparently wanted to play twice. It's as if you know well, the guy doesn't have a podcast like that, of his own to talk about. The first one was too straightforward. I got, I got to, I got to swig a little harder. Uh, he put choke is king. So, you know, maybe swing mm. a, a, a little harder than that. 
Joey. Mm. That was good. Just mm. a little hard. You're at like a six currently. We need you like a, oh, a 12. Um, Matthew Benyon, need those teeth? I'm assuming Thank you, Benyon. hinting at the uh, face slapping. Yeah. Yeah. And the final one came from Eric Martinez, who wrote, Gordon Ryan lost. Now, this was an interesting phenomenon on the social media, which is we have a seesaw right now. Okay? We can never have nice things. No. And the reason why we can't have nice things is this. The seesaw is it elevates very high when Gordon Ryan is talking shit. It's like, oh, God, that kid needs to be humbled. Mm -hmm. You know what? He needs to get what's coming to him. (laughs) Okay, cool. I've said Uh, it like that, but more sexually. usually. Sure. Sure. And and that's that's just Kevin's M.O., guys. That's that's what he does. (laughs) Don't make it creepy as you finish. So as we then go into this whole thing, then Gordon loses. Now, all of those people who are talking about great humility and respect sure have a way of forgetting all of that when they see somebody like Gordon Ryan lose. Because the fun part about this is you see all of the people who are hiding, who are points fans, being like, yay, points are better. IBJJF is better than everything. I told you. God, he's the worst. God, he needs to learn some respect. Fuck Gordon Ryan. It's a very interesting thing. So the seesaw now tips in the scale of, hey, guys, weren't you the ones talking about respect? This is a fun game to play. Then you have to ask the question, which is this. Floyd Pena is an amazing athlete, super good. But has anybody ever been this excited to watch a Philippe Pena match? No. Maybe and and that's ABCC, but... and granted, that has nothing to do with his talent or the fact that he is not good. It is a matter of what is the main gauge of interest. Let's also take this into consideration. There was a giant celebration just seconds after Philippe won. And I think I bring this up because there's such an outpour of excitement by his team. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's look a little bit closer to that. Cobrinha, his son wins, literally looks at like Kennedy and like not even high five just goes, yeah, I knew you'd win. So they have that really cool look between the two of them. The minute that Philippe won, Cobrinha was jumping for joy with that crew. Again, keep in mind, Alliance jumping for joy with Gracie Barra. Yeah. Now, again, it's fun to celebrate, but I don't even remember Cobrinha getting up out of his seat when his own son won. (laughs) So, like, that just shows you that there is a very vehement, not good feeling, (laughs) one could say, uh, for Gordon Ryan ever winning. So... I guess what the the nice enlightened thing that we can pretend to all be about this is people are always going to feel the way they're going to feel about these matches. And it's good that they feel excited. And I'm happy that Philippe gets this recognition for being so fucking amazing. But the one thing Philippe himself doesn't need is the equivalent of the jiu-jitsu social justice warriors, whatever they call these people on every other podcast – who are then going out of their way to be his publicist of talking shit. Philippe's pretty good without people needing to say it. And I think it was evidenced by him being exhausted, finding a will to keep continuing on, being evasive, and then getting a monster choke at the end of it. His work speaks for itself. So 
on the other side, it's a fascinating thing. And you brought up the Conor McGregor note, which I think is a very apt comparison, which is what happens to Gordon Ryan next? Stay humble. Stay work. So let's see what happens. And I mean, he's still super good at what he does. He got beat by an excessively good human being. Um, so it's not like it was just a noob that like knocked him off. So it's an interesting thing. And Kev, here's the best part. So now we've got people who are wondering. He talks so much shit. He gets people interested. And then Philippe wants to basically come back at him and says, I challenge you to $20,000 match in the gi. Major power move, by the way. Pretty awesome. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a, that's a great moment. But Gordon has been very, very clear about doing what, Kev? No gi. But what does he do? What did? It, what was his response? Uh, what do you mean? I don't. Did you see that he he already posted a response to it today? No, I did not see it. Okay, the response was pretty straightforward, and Give it's me ten years. Essentially, yes, actually, it was, okay. uh, because what he's saying is he's running with this nogi thing. He's trying to be the best in the world at it, then go conquer MMA, and then go to the gi. Now, on that end, I tell him, thanks, Gordon. Do you know why I tell him thanks? Uh, I, just because much like Gary's eight-year MMA threat to Kron, it's like, okay, well, remind <laughs> me to be excited about you and Felipe Part 2 mm-hmm. in 2024. Uh, just yep. give me, put, you know what, I'll put something in my eye calendar. We'll get back to you. <laughs> Generally uh, expecting it in the year 2026. Um, Now, the reason why I'm a little uh, like, well, that's going to suck is granted. Gordon is being respectful of Philippe and saying, like, I'm just not that good at Guy yet, but I would love to have the time to prepare. I don't really train in that. And a lot of people are saying that's an excuse because Philippe did the thing and took that match, which very true. But Gordon isn't doing himself any favors by being like, "Mm, eh. No, not now. And the reason why I say it's no favors to him and those of us who watch and enjoy jujitsu is the following. We have to see like as long as it takes the amount of memes and dumb comments on the internet about him until that match happens. (laughs) So that shit's not going anywhere. So anyway, that brings us to where we are today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy for Philippe. I think it's great. I think it puts an interesting spin for the Danaher Death Squad. We see where they go in 2017. Um, if you don't think this motivates them, I think that would be a giant surprise. But I'll say this, guys. Uh, the points versus fucking Nogi shit. I know it's not going anywhere, but it's so dumb when you read the 15th comment about it and you just go, why can't like, why are the people who are so adamant about one or the other so much louder than the people who just enjoy both? Ah, yes, because they're crazy. Yes, a ton of us love fucking jujitsu for just jujitsu. So we got to see some Saturday night. Absolutely. Two submission victories in the main card. And two uh, surprising decisions. Yeah. What was surprising about them? And you're talking about the UFC card, right? I am talking about UFC Fight Night uh, Sacramento. Yes. The SAC, as uh, people call it, I bet. Alan Hoban 
I thought knocked Mike Perry out five times. I thought Mike Perry knocked Hoban <laughs> out at least twice. Neither happened, but great fight. A lot of exchanges. Hoban looks good. This is good. Uh, obviously, dimensionally, mm. face to nose, just beautiful, sharp. But is uh, MMA looks good. Also, I also Mike Perry can fight every card. I'm in. <laughs> Ready for he and Dustin Poirier. I don't think they're in the same weight class, but that's a perfect fight. I like that you're just trying to make that happen. Just awesome. Brawler. That guy took a savage beating. He got kicked yeah. in the face so many times. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> who did the kicking. Um, This, this whole uh, UFC on Fox was an interesting card. I guess just from uh, top to bottom, they they put on a good show for Fox, so that was really good to see. Um, let's review a couple things real quick, which are really great about the UFC on Fox. So obviously, you had the Disney Prince, who was great. Really appreciated that. We talked a little bit about Sage and uh, and Mickey Gall, and now apparently Mickey Gall wants Dan Hardy. So we'll he, see if that happens. I don't think he had thought about who he was. He had such a plan the first time. But this time when they asked him, it looked like he swallowed and was like, Ooh, oh, shit. Oh, no, no, no. That's right. He, that's my thing. He said he had thought about it yeah. because he had heard that uh, Dan was considering a return back to uh, MMA, even though he's been doing commentary and he had some health issues. I, I know. <laughs> but the reason we have to be fair that's to him is light. as follows. The best response in the world came from Dan himself, who said, wait. Was that kid even born the last time I was fighting? <laughs> Which, slam dunk. Yeah. Take that, Mario Lopez. So, anyway, there's that. Let's talk about the fact that the uh, the karate hottie. Water. Great submission. Victory. Well, we should say Gall rear naked choked the shit out of Northcutt. Yes, which is a lot of uh, angry rear naked chokes. I think one of the best memes I saw... Was it from MMA nerds? I hope it's them. I hope I'm crediting this one right. But it was Dana White in the background at a press conference, and the meme said, We're going to ban rear naked chokes now, you guys. All my favorites are losing with them. (laughs) Uh, Well, Michelle Watterson, Paige Van Zandt was not tapping. It wasn't going to happen. And uh, good fight, but Michelle Watterson put the hurt on. Vicious choke. I I don't have that gene. I think if I was choking I that much, no. I would tap. Oh oh oh! I'm sorry. Oh, I was right. coming from the opposite angle, which is I I don't have that in me to choke somebody to. <laughs> yes, I, I don't have that either. But <laughs> same quality, different side. Yeah. But it was just like as I watched it, it was like she's not tapping. Just no interest in tap. Amazing. Kev's also never gone out before, so I, I've been put to sleep. At least once in my life, uh, not and I've been cho- <laughs> I've been choked a lot in jujitsu. It's never happened there, I guess, because I tap. I'm good at it. Uh, but I just I love when fighters you can see they made the conscious choice. <laughs> it gave us the famous Frank the Tank Holly Holm meme, which is still probably the top two. I, I that one's arguably my favorite. Uh, but this was it was just amazing to hear. Be like no. Not interested. <laughs> Not going to do it. So great fight. Congrats to uh, the Karate Hottie. And uh, it's just a big night for her. And yeah. 
they were awesome leading up to it. They prepped the hell out of this fight. They promoted it. Yeah. They both yeah. sold it. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, Paige's response afterwards where she just said, you know, no excuses. I just need to get back and better at jujitsu is uh, the mentality of somebody that's easy to root for. So congrats to her on that. And I think we're before we transition real quick to the CXF fights that I went to cover, I just want to say it was really cool to see the final fight from Uri Faber and to see it go in the route that we have come accustomed to watching him fight. So, Kev, what was your what, what did you enjoy about that fight? That he won. And yeah, and just in the nick of time because he almost lost. There was a moment where he got a little jostled in, in part of the fight, and it was like, uh-oh. No, uh, I appreciated the control. I appreciated the tenacity. I thought Brad Pickett showed some serious chin, which is always impressive. But the California kid, it's been a blast watching him fight. I'm going to miss that guy. Absolutely. And, and I like that he didn't want to go out, you know, when it's a little past his prime. You could make the argument he could still make a run just because – of how tough that division is for most people, but for him, he's fine until you get to like the championship things. And I, I know there's a lot of that people say in terms of him not being a champion, but I, I really appreciated the fact that a lot of people were giving him the credit that he deserved, which was he really didn't influence a lot of fighters. A lot of fighters have careers because of him. And even people who had vehement disagreements with him, your Dominic Cruz's and your TJ Dillashaw's, both of them, said remarkable things about him as he was coming to an end. So it's the kind of thing you hope for when somebody's nearing the end of their career. Now, granted, next week it'll probably go back to them saying, like, oh, he's a fucking loser. But uh, as somebody who's gotten the chance to interview him, I just thought it was a, a really cool thing. Like, I, I've met the guy. He is exactly what you think he would be when you meet him. Super chill, very California maybe plays with his hair a little bit too much. But, I mean, those are just details, guys. Who doesn't? I don't know. I've seen Kevin brush his hair far too much when he had long hair. It's just something that happens when you have long hair. Can't help it. Uh, But And good to see him just go out on his terms. And, Kev, this brings up a good point, which I think is something you and I should really talk about, which is if you're going to plan your final fight, pick it against somebody you like. Yeah. Because the two of them were besties and all their Snapchats afterwards were just like, hey, we're just partying at our after party. Here's Brad. Oh, look at his face. (laughs) I did that. (laughs) And it makes me think like instead of having somebody that you really abhorrently hate, the two of them respected each other. So, yeah, if you're going to pick your final opponent, pick somebody that you like. That's our tip. Good advice. We'll put that in the packet. Mm. Um, Fun night of fights. You went and watched some live. Yeah, I actually I had to go right after the Uriah fight, and so I was trying to follow along on uh, my apps and Instagram and everybody illegally prioritizing the UFC on Fox feed. But I went over to CXF over here in Studio City. I saw a whole host of our friends, new and old, who were fighting. So, you know, a lot of the guys from Systems Training Center saw some really good shit, Kev. And I mean, there are some people who are very, very much on the radar, I think, of if not the UFC, something coming up real soon. So if I could preview a couple, um, Danny Navarro looked dangerous. He went up against one of my friends uh, named Dominic, and Dominic Clark is a very good champion. He got pushed around by 
<laughs> by Navarro to the point where I was looking over and I go, oh, no, the person I'm rooting for isn't winning. <sighs> but this guy is really good, too. So I, I when that happens, and I know Dominic. I know he's a really stand-up dude. I went to go interview uh, Donnie afterward, and I saw actually Dom go over and, and you know, congratulate him and, and say really nice things to him. So, again, uh, there's something about that competitive warrior spirit that that is super good. So, saw uh, Blake Troop. I saw, uh, God, uh, Dima from Systems Training Center. Um, I saw our good friend Mike Jasper win. Uh, he won a title, which was fantastic to see. Um, so, there's a lot to say about that. You'll see some pictures go up. Uh, had a blast. And uh, Kev, I'll let you know this. I, I, you know how I like to take notes over on the side. I'll usually write them out. Sure. Um, had a new first happen over the weekend. Um, you went digital. <laughs> I wish. No, I, I, there's something about pen and paper I, I, I still do enjoy. Although oh, yeah. I'm a computer nerd, but this is the first time this has ever happened. I hope it's the last. I don't think it will be though. Okay. In the middle of the fight, somebody was getting banged up so bad, beat up so bad, came cage side near where I was sitting, just in terms of where the fight was going, that blood ended up on my uh, Gross. my notepad. Gross. Well, and I, I usually try to take notes about the fighters and say things about them, but there was just like a, a, like a little droplet of blood on the notepad and I just said with an arrow well that pretty much explains the fight period and I left it at that great so anyway, the momentum tour yeah well it also I was like oh I, I don't think I need to write anymore I'll never forget what this fight was like for a number of reasons but I'll look at that blood even if I lose my memory and go oh that happened so uh, there's also a gentleman by the name of Fearless Alfred. Uh, he looks like he's probably on his way from CXF to at least being on Dana White's radar. So keep a lookout from him as well. And I think that'll do it for CXF. But Kev, it's the holidays. It's time to go talk to somebody. Let's go chat yeah, with uh, somebody that does something for jujitsu. Yes. <laughs> Preferably somebody on six of the seven continents. But a six of the seven and... Uh, we'll get to you, Antarctica. Don't you think that there's some Inuits who aren't going to be giving us some issues? Uh, but yes, and 14 countries. So let's go talk to that gentleman. Hey everybody. So, you know, as we get toward the end of the year, we always look for good causes to get behind uh, because here's the thing. We all know Kevin and I are awful human beings. Uh, I smoked away most of 2016. I still feel good about it, but here's the beautiful part. You can't feel bad about what you don't remember, Kevin. That's true. Short term memory loss is a side effect. It's Denver, but we're staying focused. And I agree. I like your mission, uh, especially mm. during the holidays. I'm in. And so there was one particular group that caught my attention, and I wanted to know more about it. But I have this issue, Kev, where I think sometimes you and I suffer from a little bit of, like, almost dyslexia. So every time I read this one organization's names, uh -oh. uh, yeah. I, I have an issue because sometimes I think I say it the wrong way. 
I see that, by the way. Okay. 100%. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start, and then I'll let you know. If it slips, just know it's my brain. Got it. But from the organization, Geese for GIs, we have our friend Brian Crandell, or Crandell, depending on which part of the neighborhood you're around. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from GIs for I'm sorry. Oh, no, it happened. So fucking close. G's for GIs. G's for GIs. Brian Crandall, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Yourself? Good. How many people screw that up? Because I just see G's, and then I see GIs. And then am I the only um, person stupid enough to, to mess that up? No, you're not the only one. Most of them either come from Washington State or Colorado. They'd screw it up, so. Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the bastions of intellectual thought. Well, Brian, uh, it's wonderful to have you on this show. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you end up getting involved in grappling? Why, why do you start jujitsu when, mm-hmm. give us the, the quick, our Just audience needs to know you. Uh, they need to know your jujitsu craziness. I was fat. I was fat. Um, I played. I played softball for many years, and uh, in 2007, I went to a softball tournament at the end of March, which up in Baltimore, Maryland. The weather isn't really uh, really set up for softball by the end of March. It was pretty chilly, but I did it every year. And this this particular year, I went and I played softball, and like three days later, I was still sore. I could barely move. And I was a power lifter. I had started lifting weights when I was 13. And at this time, I was uh, 37, turning 38 that same August of 07. And a friend of mine, John Rollo, who fought in the WEC, he and I played some softball together back in the mid-90s. And he quit, I think, in 96 was the last season he played softball and started getting into mixed martial arts. And uh, I didn't think much of it back then. But in 07, I'm like, I got to do something I was 264 pounds. I was a power lifter, so I wasn't in the worst shape, but I had zero cardio. Mm. And uh, I called John up one day, and I said, hey, man, I'm looking at doing some some martial arts of some sort. I I really need to get in shape. I was looking at actually starting Muay Thai. And John's Mm. like, well, you're not too far off my age, man. Aren't you like 37, 38? I'm like, yeah, I'll be 38 in August. He said, bro, I would highly recommend jujitsu over Muay Thai at your age. Mm. Um. And uh, I went in the first class I took. I was 264 pounds, and I'm only six foot, just shy of six one. And so, I mean, I was a pretty big guy, and I thought I was going to die after class. I had to sit for 30 minutes to catch my breath. Um, that was on a Tuesday night. I went in Thursday night. I said, I'll give this a try again. And Thursday after class, I really was thinking, you know what, this may not be for me. It's it's something that I'm not quite sure if I want to do. So I was like, I'll give the open mat on Saturday a uh, a try. And I went in, and the guy, Tony, he and I went, and I didn't know anything about mat etiquette. I never wrestled. I was never on a mat before. And I was big and stupid, and I just like picking things up and throwing them down. So he's like, hey, you want to <laughs> spar? I'm like, yeah, man. He goes, how do you want to start, standing up or on your knees? I said, we can start standing up. And I uh, I was a linebacker in high school, so I at least knew how to, which essentially a blast double. Right. I picked him up, slammed him on the mat, right into his guard, and he proceeded to either armbar me or triangle me at least five <laughs> times in five minutes. 
That day I decided I was 260 pounds. I could bench press over 400. And this guy was 170 pounds, maybe be able to bench press his own weight. And he literally made me feel like a little kid. And I said, if he can do that to me, I need to learn this. And I became addicted to it immediately. That's amazing. (laughs) That's fantastic. And in 07, yeah, different landscape. Very different landscape. Yeah, I was lucky. John had gotten his black belt in uh, November of 06 from Henzo Gracie himself up in New York. So I was lucky to start under a black belt. I know a lot of people that started back in the mid-2010, like 03, 04, 05, that era, still didn't necessarily start under a black belt. Mm. And it was even worse back in the 90s. Heck, if you were a blue belt back in the 90s, you you were usually leading... Like the head instructor. I love those stories, by the way. When people are like, yeah, you never saw purple belts. It was this crazy thing. (laughs) People went from blue to black. It was just strange. Yeah. (laughs) You never saw. And a brown belt was a unicorn. It's great. Uh, Yes. Times have changed. (laughs) A few more people. Yes, they have. A few more people do jiu-jitsu. I'm coming up. Yeah, you must... I'm coming up with my ten year here in a couple months. Oh damn! I'm impressed. First of all, that makes you into the terrifying category. Mm-hmm. People in their forties that do jujitsu, terrifying people. Everyone, you need to be <laughs> respectful. That shit is dangerous. Mm-hmm. They there's a reason they've survived this long. Think Listen, kids, old man strength isn't just some sort of phenomenon they make up. It's a real thing. There. It's very true. Always my, tough matches. You obviously got my eighteen-year-old son on test. <laughs> Does your son do jujitsu? Yes, he's a one-stripe blue belt. Hell I'm a two-stripe yeah. brown right now. So nice parenting, by the way. Get him in at eighteen, and as a potential future person that he just might fight, uh, go fuck yourself. Make me very concerned <laughs> when I see eighteen-year-olds and sixty-year-olds what they're doing now. It's just like, oh god, I'm going to get murdered by that person. <laughs> and, and I have to ask this though, because Brian, I mean, it's great. I, I think it's something parents should do. They should get their kids involved in sports. But if you can get them involved in martial arts, that's superb. And it sounds like if he's on the blue belt track, then he's on his way to doing more, bigger, and better things. But is there a legit concern? That he's going to start taking a little bit too much into jiu-jitsu where it's going to become a little dangerous for people who are getting older. Um, he's got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think uh, number one is, you know, any martial arts is going to teach you respect and discipline. Yeah. So even if we didn't have martial arts, I think he would respect me because I've I've earned it as his father. Um, so even without the martial arts aspect, I don't think that I, he would be too much trouble regardless. Mm-hmm. But my dad always told us, and I'm, I'm quite a bit bigger than my father, mm-hmm. and he always said, I don't care how big you get or how bad you think you are, you'll never be able to take me. <laughs> and the whole reason of that is, is, if he walked in my house the day before Christmas, because they're coming over my house this weekend, if he walked in my house and punched me in the jaw, I'd have to look at him and say, 
dad, why'd you do that? I don't think I could ever hit my father back. Yeah. Um, and it's purely the respect thing. And I believe my son has that same level of respect that no matter what, I hope he does surpass me at some time. I hope he's tapping me the way I'm tapping him now, because yeah. that means that yeah. he is taking it seriously and he's doing better than I was. I mean, he's got a lot more years ahead of him than I do. I mean, uh, I, I can guarantee you this right now. He's taking notes and he's making sure because every time you tap him, he's like, all right, that's <laughs> one for when he gets 60. That's okay. half guard game. Dad's gotta, half guard. Gotta remember to really hurt him when, when they create whatever's next. And if he has <laughs> that like remember. inside intel of watching you ice something, he's definitely like, hmm, dad's wrist is a little injured today. Yeah. I guess the reason why I ask this is because... If you have a son, and, you know, Kevin and I, our dads have nothing to do with jiu-jitsu, so, like, we still understand it. Kevin and I are super respectful to our dads, but I guess I've never had to think of it in this terms, where if I had a cross-collar on my dad, would I just look at him and be like, oh, no, do I have to let this go? But does he want me to choke him? This is a very strange situation. Nah, I mean, it's, uh, I love it. I mean, some of our, some of our closest bonding is, uh is me letting him armbar me or me armbarring him and him not having anything to do about it. He just <laughs> he can't do anything about it. So of course that creates even a bigger bond for us. Absolutely. Um, well, you know what? that there is no better way of doing uh family there. bonding than jiu-jitsu. So uh that's a great thing for you and your family. Now I'm interested, where does this all come into play because when you start getting into jiu-jitsu, obviously you've been doing it for 10 years. Um you're you're super involved in it. It seems like it's a passion, not just for you, but for your family. Where does the charity come in in your life? Um, last November, October, November of 2015, actually, I, I heard what Mission 22 was doing, and I didn't really think much about it, but I was on a four-hour drive home from Charlotte to Wilmington, and I decided to grab my phone and look up Mission 22 to see exactly what they were about. And, uh, unfortunately I'm, I don't have a lot of money to, uh, to really donate to places like that at this time, but I got to thinking, you know, I got a pretty big, uh, pretty big network of academies that I'm, I'm blessed to train at here in the Southeast between North Carolina, Georgia, and South Carolina. I do a lot of traveling for work and, uh, I'm pretty blessed to have the people I train with. And I got to thinking, you know, some of these guys have to have used geese sitting in their closet that, they just don't know what to do with. You don't take a gi to, uh, to Goodwill and say, here you go, sell this gi. Yeah. And so most guys fold them up, they put them in their closet after they're done using them, and they sit there, and their wives are complaining, hey, what are you going to do with these three gis? What are you going to do with these four gis? Get them out of my closet. I'm sick of seeing them. I'm sick of them smelling the closet up or whatever. <laughs> so I made a few phone calls, and, uh, and, and I decided then, you know what, let me see what I can do. So I made a few phone calls, and... Got Billy Dowie. He's a, a black belt, Hoist Gracie black belt out of Raleigh, Forged Fitness. And I brought through the idea to him. I knew he had worked close with the Army over at Fort Bragg for a while. So I threw the idea to him about, hey, man, what do you think of me collecting used geese and sending them out to uh, veterans or, or uh, active duty military? If they ask for them, to, to kind of like try to entice more of these guys to get on the mat. And uh, that's when it started. It's uh, And I'm driving, and I don't know, it just came to me. You know what? Gies are spelled G-I, and G-I's are, of course, G-I. 
so I just came up with the name Geese for GIs. And at first, I didn't have the uh, apostrophe in there. Mm-hmm. And you have the uh, G, what's it, the Geographical Information System or Geographical <laughs> GIS and, and yeah. yeah, the GIS and and people are thinking GIS for gigs. G- <laughs> and as soon as I put the apostrophe in, it everybody it made a lot more sense too. So that's some uh, I forget what they call it in in in. Actually, it's a theatrical thing that you do where you add a print, the apostrophe, or you add something that doesn't really belong there, but yeah. it makes sense why it's there. Sure. So, and I mean, uh, it, it, listen, the grammar nerd in me is like, uh, I understand it's I, it's making the geese possessive, but I guess you could kind of make the argument. Uh, you could do something with it. It's more so that what I saw in my dyslexia hit in the first time and I read it as GIs for geese. And I was like, what did GIs need to do for geese? Oh, Oh my bad. <laughs> Read that wrong. Okay, good. Um, that's that's fantastic. One of the things that I think made it so cool is there are so many studies that show that jiu-jitsu has been such a, a help for those who have come from the service. So was that uh, in your experience? Had you rolled with a number of people who you had seen go through the service and then uh, maybe were coming out of it? Because uh, we have two of our, our very good friends. They run a place called the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. And uh, they were in the military, and they said that it it was like a no-brainer to start doing jiu-jitsu as soon as they were done. Honestly, not a whole lot that I knew of. Um, there was a lot of people that I trained with, and until I started this, I didn't realize they were prior military. Mm. Um, of course, everyday life, man, it was, uh, it was, hey, I'm going to go to this academy today and train because I'm in this city. And I didn't, I didn't really interact on that level with a lot of people. Of course, you make friends, you make acquaintances, you got a lot of camaraderie. So, I mean, I trusted everybody I trained with at the academies, but we just, everybody else there, they have a family to go home to, or they have to go to their house, or they got to do something. I got a hotel to go back to. And, yeah. uh, and until I started this, I really didn't realize how many guys I trained with that, number one, were prior military and number two, that actually suffered from PTSD mm. or anxiety or stress and, uh, and pretty much attribute their life now to geese for GIs on why they're still here. I mean, not geese for GIs, jujitsu itself. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Sure. And what's... They attribute... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and now you're, you're sort of a year into this, and I've just taken a spruce. You can find it at... Um, geese-4-geese.com and you've got a ton of sponsors you're building some weight you've got pro jiu-jitsu I know that organization because a uh, friend of ours friend of the podcast when I trained with Adam Lamp fought, fight for them uh, so you're kind of growing okay. talk to us about some of the momentum and what you're experiencing as you, you guys have had some success it, I mean, the first year, of course, when you're building grassroots, everything's tough. Everything's pretty much about funding, um, getting the funds, getting the geese. It's been fairly stressful. So I decided just last week that uh, I want to go ahead and take the plunge. I started the paperwork uh, with a with a group called the Foundation Group to uh, to get my 501c and hopefully go after some bigger donations and and see where we can take this thing because this is one of the few charities. I'm not saying there's no other ones out there. 
but this is one of the few charities that you can actually see where your your donation is going. If you send me a ghee or you send our, our foundation a ghee, you're probably going to see a picture on Facebook within four, maybe six weeks, depending on if I'm sending it to Kuwait, sending it to Cotter, or sending it to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. You're probably going to see the ghee that you donated on a soldier, a Marine, an airman, a sailor, or somebody in the uh, police officer, firefighter, Coast Guard. I consider them all oath takers. Um, so I, I pretty much now broaden, just use a broad stroke and just call it oath takers. Um, you're probably going to see your, your ghee on an oath taker and uh, within a few weeks because they're coming in and going out as fast as I can get them back in a box. So uh, I've sent 472 geese as of last night. Um, I just counted it up. I keep a spreadsheet of all the names, the sizes, and, and where they're going. And I just added it all up last night. Um, it, since January 18th is when I started count. Hmm. Uh, January 18th, 2016, until last night, I sent 472 geese. So I shouldn't have too much of a problem hitting 500 before the one-year mark of keeping the record. Yeah. This is this is super cool. I like that there's like it's almost becoming like a, a way of keeping track of a lot of comparisons get to samurais, but you're basically sending this gi that is a, a component of jujitsu, and it takes on a whole new life when they go to somebody else. One thing I'm curious about it is how are you matching these people up? Like, how do these people let you know that they're interested in doing it? And then I guess by proxy, how do you end up sending it to them? I, on my Facebook, uh, I have the Facebook page. They just message me. Um, and usually what I'll do just to verify, it's not a whole lot of verification. Um, but I will try to look through their profile. If I see them in uniform or if I see anything about the military, um, then, then to me, they're an oath taker. They, they, they've already paid for that ghee and paid for the shipping just by taking the oath. Um, they also get on geese for GIs, uh, gis-4gis.com, and you can go and and uh, you can send me an email, and I get the email, I look at it, and the thing I do is if, if I know they're an oath taker, they have a military.com uh, uh, address, then I'll, uh, first, the only question I ask is what size and what's your address? Hmm. Um, it's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of red tape in this. It's uh, if you need a gi and you get a hold of me and you tell me you're a veteran or you're a first responder, you're an oath taker. Um, you know, it's it's a tr more of a trust thing, but for the most part, I can pretty much verify um, who is who who's real. And you know, if you get taken, if one person decides they want to use gi, right, that bad, then you know what. Hey, Sometimes they just need it. You're giving somebody a gi, you know. But yeah, in the jujitsu well, world, I think I think most guys that are going to do that are are going to be honest about it. Here's the good news about the military: um, they're pretty good about taking care of people who aren't so um, forthcoming or or uh, there because a lot of those guys tend to be very humble, and and that is the you know, and like you said, a lot of them don't speak up, which is why. Part of the reason why Kevin and I wanted to bring you on is because we don't know how many people are aware of this. We hope that more people become aware of it. And if they are able to spread this kind of information, it's super important because 
it allows them to get what we know is so great about jujitsu and hopefully uh, use that. Uh, there's one individual who's a friend of ours. Um, he's gone on a, a major crusade on making sure that people know how PTSD, how he suffered from it, how he made jujitsu uh, a big component of of uh, what he does now. And I, I think that's just great. So if that is the case and that's happening right over there, I just want to make sure of this because, like I said, there's good self-policing. But you're not getting people who are hitting you up going like, hey, it'd be really cool if you could get me a new, I don't know, hyper-flaggy. No. No, I have had some uh, some requests where they ask for certain colors. Mm. And I tell them I got no problems doing that, but there may be a delay. I right. uh, I normally, I'll take a request. If, you're, if your academy only allows black geese or your academy only allows white geese, but that doesn't mean that I have one laying around in a package or laying around in, in the in my gi room where I say, oh, okay, this is a white gi and I have to send it to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much I try to take a notes. Like I had a, a, a guy today ask me about an A2, and he went down to the bottom of the list. I got a list of people that are waiting, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I do it in, the best I can. I do it in order of request. Um, <laughs> but... If I don't have that size, then I go to the next person. If I if somebody needs a certain color of a certain size and I don't have it in stock, I'll let them know, hey, it's going to be a little bit, um, I don't have that particular color. I have blue or I have black, but I don't have a white one. Is it okay? I mean, I don't want to put you off, but I don't, I, I can't send you a white one right now. I can't send what I don't have. Right. Um, so it's not been a big deal, really. I mean, most of the guys do understand that this is a charitable organization and we will do everything we can possible to take care of our oath takers. But um, again, you can't do what you don't have, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we, we get requests every once in a while, not, not very often because most of the guys, especially the forward deployed, deployed guys, they're just happy that I'm sending them a usable gi. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. So, it's in terms of holiday pick me up too. It sounds like you're mostly a single person. Like you're, do you have a ton of help? My son and my wife. I was just um, about to say, I was like, this feels like a local org <laughs> and by local and uh sounded, well, that's great. So it's just, it's just your direct family members helping you out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, my son's been a great help. My wife, when she can, she she works also, and uh, so when when she can, she helps. But it's ninety uh, percent of it, ninety five percent of it's man, my son, and he he has access to my. Uh, he's an admin on my Facebook page. He has access to the uh, to the email, so he gets the same emails and he gets the same Facebook messages. And when I'm out of town. He's been super, super great about uh, getting those messages and saying, hey, Dad, uh, got a message. We need an A2. I'll go ahead and box it up and send it out. I taught him how to do the uh, postal service, everything with that, because I send everything. If it fits, it ships. So uh, he, he's been really good with that. So as of right now, it's just us. But, of course, once I go with the uh, 501C, we have to have a board of members and uh I got five guys right now that are just spectacular people that I think if we're able to take it to the next level, I got the five right guys to work with me. Um, 
it's funny as the president per name, I'll, all I want to do is box geese and send them out and pay for the shipping and have the treasurer keep track of the money and the marketing guy get the marketing out there. And the vice president, he's been involved uh, with several uh, nonprofits, so he knows the ins and outs, what to do and what not to do. And uh, we got another guy who's a consultant, and he's been with several nonprofits. So we have the we have the nonprofit side covered. We have the financial side as far as the right guy handling the money covered. And a good friend of mine's an attorney. He's going to be the secretary. So when we have the meetings, he's the one going to be taking the notes and turning the minutes into the IRS to uh, to maintain the nonprofit status. I, I really do believe that I have five of the best guys that I can possibly put together. Two of them are prior Marines. Well, one of them's retired Marine. The other one's getting out in June. Um, so we got the military side covered with that also. And, and all of us are in jujitsu. The five, other than this, the treasurer, the other five of us are, are either black belts, brown belts, or purple belts. <laughs> Damn. That's the way most boards should actually work. I, I really wish there say, was a, a belt like the... prerequisite. <laughs> uh, more people training at every Absolutely. board meeting that happens ever would be really helpful. Uh, well, you're a blast I, to chat with. How do you keep a training schedule during all this? Uh, how frequently you getting in? Like that's that's an impressive balance. And don't forget family, Kev. Well, he's he's already <laughs> double downing on that. I mean, we've heard I how know. he gets sun time in. He's like, hey, let's go to class. Like you genius. Oh, I'm just saying that. Yes. Sun? Goes I'm not just trade. saying that, Kev. I'm saying he's probably like, hey, before we open uh, Christmas presents, I've got mats here, kids. So uh, let's uh, drill that arm bar. So it's going <laughs> <laughs> working on. I, that's funny because I do have a hundred square foot of mats in a garage out back. Holy so. hell! Um, wow, Kevin, how did I guess these sort of things? It's like a <laughs> hundred square foot. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. that. Mm. I mean, I would have. I would have believed the couch counts. I'm sure it does, but <laughs> you have an on-site training. Uh, that's uh, that's good parenting. That is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I've of course my wife. She uh, she knows the uh, what I call rape self-defense on what to do to uh, to either triangle or armbar or collar choke if anybody were to ever uh, force her into a position she doesn't want to be in. Um. And then, uh, so yeah, we, we do put, we do utilize the mat sometimes, but my, my training schedule, again, I work a lot out of town. So I I go to work, I get off whatever time I get off. And then, uh, whatever town I'm in, I usually train in that evening. Um, I still get in three, four nights a week. Normally I do teach at my home school of evolution, mixed martial arts. I, uh, I do a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. We do a class that I run, um, when I'm in town, I, I have the luxury and the uh, the blessings to train with John Salter. I don't know if you guys uh, know that name or not. He's, uh, I think, either number two or number three in the world middleweight Bellator right now. Okay. Awesome. Um, the guy's just a uh, – he's an amazing grappler. He's a NAIA national champion, and he's a black belt, and he's uh, – He's the real deal, and uh, so I'm lucky enough to train with him, and then we got like six black belts in my gym, 
that uh, several of them are actually world-class, been out to the pans and worlds and won a few matches. Um, so, yeah, I'm blessed. Again, all my travels, I get to train with uh, with some very high-level people. And I couldn't be I couldn't be happier where I am in my journey right now. Badass. So this, yeah, as far as the training schedule goes, it's it's usually uh, I, I pretty much have a chance to train every night if I want to. Um, of course, my forty-seven-year-old body with my uh, issues with my back and stuff. <laughs> I, I usually try to get in three to four times a week. That's not bad, dude. I feel. I feel worse when I don't train, by the way. Yeah, every, we all, yeah. Oh, Emotionally, yeah. physically. I, I needed to, I mean, I, it's no secret, I, I'm the older between myself and Kevin, but I'm only like three years older than him, and already explaining to him, like, um, my back's bad, so hearing you say this right now is like saying, oh, it's not going to get better, right? Because I have a relationship with jiu-jitsu now where if I don't do it, I think I'm going to die. It's a little obsessive. You, you're, on the right, you're on the right track because, uh, again, if I don't train for two or three days straight, my back, my hands, my shoulders, everything hurts worse than mm-hmm. when I'm staying active and training. Um, I actually had a doctor because of my back with the arthritis in uh, L4, L5, and L5S1, the doctor pretty much told me, we're surprised you're as functional as you are. The reason you are is is because your core is so strong. So whatever you're doing for your core, I wouldn't stop. I said, so you're prescribing jujitsu? And he was like, yeah, if that's what you're doing. So I was like, honey, I just got prescribed jujitsu from the doctor. I can't quit. (laughs) So. That's a, we're going to need to get this doctor to give every practitioner we know uh, the best note home to school possible. <laughs> yes. Well, and, I mean, it's, it's never an excuse, though. I never use it, use it as an excuse. I mean, there's days where my back really bothers me, but, you know, it's, it's, you just work around it. You work through it. Well, you uh, clearly are working through it for the good of the entire community. And if people want to help out, again, geese for geese, you can find it very easily. Just spell it like that right into the Google search box, and magic will appear. You can find out about how. Or we could go. Go for it. Or we could go to. Or we could go to geese for GIs. G. Geese for GIs. I did it again. I tried to tell everybody (laughs) right up top. But here's the good news. Because this is an audio podcast, it is important that people spell it out. If you spell it out, geese for geese, you'll end up at the spot. And don't worry. The entire audience is like, this isn't that hard. (laughs) It's geese for GIs. (laughs) These two are idiots. Sorry about that. So the crowd's on your side, and uh, they got it after the first one. It's just some of us were educated in Kansas. I don't know what Raph's excuse is. That's what I'm sticking with. I do a podcast with you. That's my excuse. A lot of exposure. I don't know that I could oh, do it. by proxy. I've become dumber over I the said, four years we've done this show. These four GIs, we really appreciate the work you're doing. It's always fascinating because, above all, you're also doing uh, – it's exposure. It's putting people that could really benefit of it 
in a position to do jujitsu and, and enable them, which is an amazing thing. Uh, as someone that's obviously even personally growing enabled jujitsuers, uh, it's important. It's good. To, it's just good to do. And you hear it too, too many times to count now from people that have had a struggled past controlling their emotions, present company included. Jiu-jitsu helps with that. It'll uh, it'll help strengthen not just your core for the inevitable back injuries, uh, but also you. So congrats to you, sir. And we uh, really appreciate the work you do, and it was a blast having you on the podcast this evening. I appreciate that. Um, you mind if I... Uh mention a few other people that are that are kind of they're, they're doing the they have the same mission please do and i already mentioned the one mission 22 they're they're the reason that uh that i started this they're a great group of people um i've had the pleasure of talking to several of the uh people involved over there uh, we defy foundation alan shabaro he's uh he's incredible um kurt osiander has been a uh, supporter of this since day one. He, he allowed me to put him on my, uh, on my, uh, Facebook page as a supporter. He has signed geese for me. He just sent over him and his wife just sent a box of geese and bags. And it, if the gee was black and he couldn't sign the gee, he actually signed the bag for people. So, huh. um, there's a few, uh, there's a few oath takers that are going to get some surprises this year. Um, I've already boxed up three of them, put them, put them in with the bags that are signed right on top. So they're going to open it up and they're going to have a Kurt Osiander signed bag. And uh, I believe most of the geese that he sends over to me were his personal geese that he wore at one point. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, defiance they're out of, uh, of, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina out of Fort Bragg. Um, go to their webpage and and get some of their gear because Jeff he is uh, he's in the military himself so he's a big proponent he's got kind of the same type of situation I'm going just uh, more of a local thing I believe he, he, but it's it's those guys there that give me the drive and and the inspiration to do what we're doing and uh, again I don't think if I would have ever heard of mission 22 and followed up and checked out what they were doing. I don't think this would have ever come to fruition. So I give them all the thanks for getting me started. Awesome. Well, thank you for mentioning them. Check these people out. Uh, verbal tab fans on behalf of all of us, big thanks to, uh, Brian candle, Brian, thank you so much for swinging by. All right, sir. Merry Christmas. Happy new year to everybody. And, uh, Keep training. Train hard, train safe. It's the holidays. We're supposed to be joy-filled. I'm not. I'm having to fake it. I'm not in the holiday spirit. The Christmas spirit's not there. I'm not even trying to fake it, but screw it. I am. I'm going to put on my jingle sweater and everything tomorrow, Raph. Good. It just came too fast. I don't know if I'm not, uh, maybe I need some proper calibration, but people are like, it's Christmas next week. It's like, is it? Fuck. God. Okay. Uh, shit. How? So I'm, uh, I'm focused. I'm back in. But one of the things that reminds me is Christmas. It's time for some holiday shout outs. Here's the good news, guys. Right after this podcast, Kevin's going to be visited by three ghosts. So 
It's all going to work itself out. And I'm going to fucking choke one of them so hard. <laughs> the ghost of the past is getting the shit kicked out of him. Same with present. <laughs> Future, I'll hear what he's got to say, or she's got to say, and then we'll move We'll forward. make a decision at that point. But the first two are getting the fuck beat out of them. <laughs> and I, hey, maybe they're going to out-scrap me, but this is a somebody's got to get got situation. I mean, likely, but here's the thing, guys. One of the best things that we love to do around the holidays is we take uh note from you guys on who you want to shout out because we feel that a lot of people go underappreciated in jujitsu and a lot of people who really do good things for both, you know, you, your camps, your uh, training partners, your friends, your organizations, all of those people. So what we do is we say, hey, guys, send in some of those notes, bring them to our attention, and we will do our part to give them the proper holiday shout out that they deserve. So without any further ado, we're going to get to some of those all right now. Mike Paulnick wants to thank his coach, Sean Doherty, for everything. Three exclamation points. Sean Doherty sounds like a badass name. Sounds like yeah, a tough guy. Definitely. I assume. And it's then I, I really do appreciate this because then they shout us out. So whenever they shout me out, I'm always like, listen, listen, it's not for us. Calm down, Mike, with all your seasons cheer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you. We we appreciate it. Mike's a good guy. Uh, this one comes people. from we'll <laughs> Hey, don't don't mock him for calling me good people. That's that what just means he has good way. taste. Hey. He knew it when he said it. We were, <laughs> we were going to struggle with it. Uh, this one comes from Alexander Rabinalis, and it says, Ian Harris, Angel Diaz, Cherry Lopez, and the whole family at Systems Training Center Hawthorne, yeah. and also me, which, again, guys. Distant cousin of that, of the <laughs> Hawthorne family. Like, uh, one they like, but it's like a second. Right <laughs> I, I do miss the system screw uh mm. brian singer wants to and i like these people he would like to thank professor marcello and john bud and uh i first of all i want to say marcello celebrate by pumping madness up times too especially when nope. Uh, nope. everyone's there i also like the way that he wrote that one where he goes and john bud yeah, da, da, da. like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this next one comes from uh, Jonathan Trejo, and it says, Shout out Johnny Morgan and my team at JMBJJ. 2016 was a crazy year for me, but I'm glad I had you guys in my corner and helped lift me up when I couldn't even see it. And uh, Johnny Morgan is good people, friend of the podcast, so big shout out to him and his team out that way. Scotty BJJ wants to shout out my professor, Giuliano Banana Coutino at Junico Hyannis. Uh, Banana is an awesome nickname. <laughs> I was about uh, to ask, how does one get the nickname Banana? I don't know. I don't want to know, okay. and I don't want it explained to me. I just want to think about things on my long drive to Kansas about where that nickname came from. <laughs> this next one comes from Prototype MMA. Uh, shout outs, of course, from our good friend Kiyoshi, who says this calf and Revan from Vocal Submission. Half and Heaven? <laughs> mm hmm. 
local tournament organizer John Davies from the Canadian Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Federation, CBJJF.org, which again, a plug for the organization. Good job there. And for making sure that Western Canada has the best tournaments around. Well, that's just lovely, Kiyoshi. Uh, Shay's FSS wants to say J Jack at the Academy in Portland, Maine, Robin Gia Seller at Helson Gracie, Columbus, Ohio, Chewy at Durban city, MMA, Misha Keiko at Chicago, MMA. This person trains at some awesome places, uh, at Santos at Santos, Providence, Rhode Island. I'm jealous as hell of the Shay's training Shay's FSS. Uh, mm-hmm. wants to wish them all a Merry Christmas and that person has to be violent. Yeah. Like, just yeah. in terms of where they're where they've been hanging out. <laughs> Absolutely. That's where you could get a good feel on where these people are in terms of like their ability to have so much cheer because they're like, I've got so much to cheer for because I can beat the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Next one comes uh, from Grapplers Review on Reddit BJJ who said, I'd like to give a special shout out to the Wu-Tang Clan in Cypress Hill. He also goes on to say, uh, to Gordon Ryan for being boring, to Cotamus Prime for the patches, and to Reddit BJJ for being a solid place to know about stripes, and finally, to you guys at Verbal Tap for being you. Uh, and I like Cadmus Prime is up next with fine. I take back my comment and never like to give a shout out to Grapplers Review for being the best Trollmate, a gender questioning patch overlord, could possibly ask for. Love you, bye. It's love you, bay. Oh, Kev. my bad. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's tough to get around sometimes. I know that for sure. But uh, we're excited for these next ones because these come from the Instagram, and whenever there's ones from the Instagram, who knows what kind of nonsense we're going to get? So let's go ahead and start over here. Uh, that one first one starts off from Bonbon1423 in the video that I put up asking for submissions. He said, shout out to my lovely tree in the back. Uh, it is a nice looking tree. It's mm. uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, Z Cobra would like to recognize the effort of staff and assistant instructors have made at our academy to make 2016 an awesome year. Their names are Isaac, Steve, Frank, Eric, Marcelo, Manny, Glenn, Joshua, and Johnny. Thank you. That's adorable. It's, uh, hey, guys, it was very efficient. These people on, on Instagram, surprisingly efficient. Knock it out. <laughs> Andrew Shaw 23, thanks to all the legends at Northern MMA for their help and patience with my journey. Northern MMA, we, turn, we in turn would like to thank all of our students for making our culture and level what it is. And that's, oh, that's a sweet. Isn't this what so is great when they do this, though? I love that. One of my favorite parts about this is, is that uh, some people forget that like they don't have to tag the people like the tag is listening to it on the show. I so I like the uh, this one. Hey, for Andrew shot 23 in Northern MMA, they were like, well, let's double down. It's just right. Oh, I see how you're playing this one play. Okay, you think you can come at me with a compliment? Well, you know what? We thank you for making our journey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This one comes from Cody Bollinger, some no-name fighter, I think. Shout out to my mom and dad. Put me into wrestling and taught me takedowns. Miss you, buddy. Now, uh, Cody is kind of um, 
what is the word? Is he trolling here? Because he did a whole thing of this, Kevin. While I was at the CXF fights, he saw me and he goes, man, you look ugly. And I was like, you're one to talk. And then all of a sudden I see as he could apparently see me on the broadcast because uh, they were simulcasting it on the YouTubes. He could see me. And then he FaceTimed me as the matches were going on. So when I looked at him, I was like, why are you FaceTiming me? And I'm like mouthing the words like, shut up, dude. And he goes, hey, man, I just saw that you were taking photos and I wanted to ruin your photos. So ta-da. And I was trying to give him the middle finger. And then his daughter was like waving at me. And I was like, hey, what's up? You're awesome. Put your dad back on. Fuck you, Cody. So that's my shout out to Cody Bollinger. Uh, Nogi Bear, which I love saying that fast. Nogi Bear, BJJ. Shout out to Michael Magnus, Marvin Pavanti, even Sanchez, Anthony Casillas, and all the beasts at Magnus BJJ who kill and build each other on the mat. Kill and build. Kill and build. Kill kill and build. Hashtag kill and build. Kill and build volume three is. (laughs) Also the uh, kill and build a bear. Uh, the Maro Fusha Life says, thanks to everyone at Stout PGH for giving me a place to take a break from my crazy life. And also thanks to Gab Bonasel and Chrissy Costa for always inspiring me to stick up with stand-up comedy. And Kev, there's nothing harder than stand-up comedy except everything else. That's uh, astute advice. Yep. It's dangerous. As we come back to non- nice job, Instagram. Absolutely. As we come back to some other Instagram shout outs, we come to the ones that say from Venture Escamilla, it says it's Danny Iron Man Navarro time in the 155 pound world and hashtag 10th planet Riverside is my home away from home that, you know, Danny Navarro plays at like 19 different gyms. So when I was interviewing him afterwards, he shouted out. Uh, 10 planet riverside and like millennia and like all these places i was like yeah dude it's no wonder you're that good (laughs) uh this one a lot of pressure here uh because it was with a preface and a caveat that puts you know frankly i'm not prepared to do certain things i'm gonna try it tomasum Mm-hmm. Who, threw, who threw out can you not butcher my last name if you do a shout out question mark i understand it's your thing at all uh and you responded no promises <laughs> he was very conciliatory okay at least you're honest uh appreciate it tomaducey and to all of your uh whole family we uh merry christmas <laughs> to the uh the tonneson very nice stuff this one comes from adrian sanchez he just says uh, i want to thank and praise all you guys at the house the jiu-jitsu club for being dope as fuck at jiu-jitsu and having the patience to deal with me so uh adrian is a, a new addition to the guys at the la jiu-jitsu club he is coming around and uh we expect big things from him but he has been a welcome presence there so thank you very much adrian and a big shout out to you in return yeah, I remember this guy you were telling me about. You're like, gotta mm-hmm. avoid this. Mm-hmm. We'll talk off air. Yeah. Uh, Christopher McGinnis will shout out to Luke Randall, the master and all the 10th Planet Darlington boys and girls. Thank you for all the free, funny guys. Keep up the outstanding work. Uh, I 
did not read that well. I had a lot of commas for my own. Uh, it's very <laughs> so good. Here's the good news, Kev. Uh, you know, Christopher, he's a, he's a regular, so he knows. <laughs> it's he a knows reading challenge. That's 10% of this. This one comes from Alexander Castro. It says, Jeff Rockwell and Jeremy Guillard of Raptor Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu colon State College. Colon State College. Mm. Great. Uh, Aaron Deshaw, Vector Jiu-Jitsu is doing good things in Mississippi for at-risk kids. First of all, there's a lot of good things in that statement. Vector Jiu-Jitsu uh, helping anybody. Like we, It's a Christmas spirit. We like it when they're getting people engaged. But that was from Aaron Deshaw. We also tagged some Josh Hayden and Jason Hayden in this. Which we got to send big shout-outs to those guys. Uh, especially they're going to be doing a seminar out in... The LA Jiu-Jitsu Club on January 14th. That's a Saturday. So, y'all, come to that seminar. It's going to be the best. And they're just good people. I say this time and time again, but Josh is the type of human being who will send you a text being like, Hey, brother. How you doing, man? How was your weekend? I'm like, why do you you care? I'm a terrible person. Why the fuck do you care? Anyway. Moving on. (laughs) <laughs> this one comes uh, from uh, Edis007. It says, David Barnhill for being a kick-ass team researcher and Vicky Thompson for being a kick-ass team secretary. This is a big one, and I really am excited to read this one because um, this one uh, comes from a friend of the podcast, student. So she sent this and was like hoping we were like, oh, yeah, I hope you guys I want to shout out this guy. And uh, it's easy to know how true this one is, because if you know this guy, you know, the way that she writes about him is 100 percent this guy. But uh, she writes, I have the best coach in the world. His name is Damian Nitkin. He goes above and beyond for us as kids and will do everything in his power to help you get better. He's the type of coach where he won't give up on you and he will make you succeed in jujitsu. He's one of the best grapplers out there in the brown belt level. He has helped my sister and I throughout our jujitsu journey with our coach Damian. Without him, we wouldn't be in this amazing sport. Coach Damien prepares for you everything. He will train you harder to get better and will believe in you, especially the kids class, as he puts his time to come coach with us and makes more time for those who want to stay late and drill more because he'll do anything for us. So she says, obviously, uh, give us some love for Damien Nitkin. It would mean the world to him and he deserves it. Uh, thank you for your time to read this. If you get it, we're from Las Vegas capital fight team. And these kids are adorable, Kev, because they were the ones who his kids for, uh, the ones he coached, they were the ones to spell out. Will you marry me before he got married or engaged? I'm sorry to his lovely, lovely fiance, Beth. So to Damien and to Beth, we know how much you guys are so good to the community and uh, we just want to say congratulations on your engagement. And also, obviously, Damien, I know you're good people. And I'm not positive you're listening to this, but I don't care. If you are or not, you're good people. And we're always glad to pay it forward. So I'm going to pick up the rest here, Raph. Freddy Chavez wants to shout out Raph Esparza, Eric Medita, Joey Haas, and Andrew Ryan. I don't know why. 
Uh, you know, he's got to throw Marillo, Verbal Tap, MMA Podcast, Joey Coco Diaz. I don't know about all those people. Questionable, questionable group. Uh, handsome group, though, Freddie. Victor Cervantes, I want to give a shout-out to Henry Badillo for always wearing the cleanest-smelling geese this side of the Mississippi River. I also want to give a shout-out to hashtag All Strength Squad leading John Salter on his win this past weekend at Bellator 168. Time for a championship bout, my friend. Uh, Victor has a, a lot of promotional press in this, and I like that as a shout-out. I want to give props. I like the hustle. We've talked about that. I'm in on the hustle. Uh, plus... Freshest smelling geese. As someone that trains, you know, it's a thing. Shad POTUS. Shad. It's definitely not POTUS. It's just Shad Pots. But I like POTUS. As a, you know, Shad, claim the nickname. Professor Jacare and Leo Noguera in Atlanta have completely changed my game and become a huge positive influence in my life in BJJ by just being kind to me and accepting me, as well as the entire club in Atlanta. Obrigado, professors. Shad, that's fantastic. Uh, good people did that. Professor Jack Ray Lino. That's uh, I like the sound of this gym. Come train Atlanta, representing uh, Cecil Abaddon. Shout out to coaches and friends Noah Arnold Tillis, Quail Chris, Ray Bardalis, Jason Buzzard, Justin Iribaran, and Rafa Sparza said we'll shout out everyone but Noah. So my bad for shouting him out. Um, but Raph will forgive me in 2017. And course to the entire crew over at Jubera Jiu Jitsu. Uh, it's been a year. You and I have uh, gotten to train there. We've gotten to train some places in LA. A lot of a lot of overcoming, coming back. Looking forward to the holiday season because it means I get to return, and uh, hopefully the shoulder shot will hold up enough that I can train some KC BJJ where the uh, homegrown killers are and. That's uh, those are my holiday additions. Great people. How about yourself? Awesome. You got a place to uh, train at? Well, I got a couple. Got a couple places. A few um, in there. Uh, I, I have the benefit of uh, having some of the greatest training partners you could possibly ask for. So I'm very happy that um, I've had a very good set of uh, fortunes that have brought me into those places. So I'll go ahead and start by shouting out uh, John Evans from Breakdown Academy. Uh, great training with him always. I want to go ahead and shout out uh, the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. Some great stuff that's happening out that way. Uh, Joey and Eric, those guys uh, foster one of the best communities. Eric just had his first seminar yesterday. It was so great to see everybody come out to support him. And uh, so, so much fun. I also have to shout out, um, you know, we had a great sit-down interview with Travis Nawaza, who literally just saw me and goes, hey, do you want to interview? Because I want to interview. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Let's do that. So it was great to catch up with him. I also want to shout out Valley Martial Arts Center, the place where I call home. Uh so good training, so good people, so good everything. Uh, we recently had a promotion ceremony, and uh, one of the nicest things that I think uh, was said to to me uh, by Marcelo was um, he was very nice. He just had some remarks and was just like, hey, Raf, you know, he goes, oh, Hoffa, Hoffa, Hoffa. 
I'm glad this guy, uh, he does good work for us. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, you know, you bring good training back here. You go train at a whole bunch of places, and I'm glad we have you on your team. And it made me, I was talking about this on a podcast I was just on this week, and I'll tell you about it in a second. But it made me realize that the steps that we take in jiu-jitsu where, you know, you get to train, we're all one, and you get to go and, and interact with people, that thing is attainable where you can mingle with different groups and it's good and everybody understands the benefits of cross training so i was very happy to hear him say that so in, in response to that marcelo the crew at valley martial arts center all the people there who i train with and and two of my my very best training partners from there uh casey and michael we had a, a great time just uh shooting the shit and drinking some beers so to everybody there thank you very much and i will say uh, i know that angel diaz also wanted to shout out the Mana Sports Foundation, who are doing lots of great things for kids. We want to make sure that you guys get behind that Mana Sports that is also behind our good friend Vince Cachero, who is also an amazing human being. So, great smile, just, uh... <laughs> great smile, just always in good spirits. He just met BJ Penn, and I could only imagine what those two Hawaiians Happiness. were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro, have you eaten burritos? Oh, bro, yeah, man. Do you surf? Oh, bro, all the time. I would be surfing now if I could. <laughs> so, it's good stuff there. And uh, a big shout-out that has to go out from us here at the podcast is to all of you guys who listen to our show because of the mere fact that we have now done this for four years and for 200 episodes, and you've heard us talk a little bit about it ad nauseum, but that's only because it's true. The show only exists and is popular because of you. So to all of our guests, our friends, our teammates, our training partners, the people who promote this show, thank you guys very much. And to all of the haters, you also kind of help, but in the worthless way. So you make the show better by like talking about it, which is, I guess, really dumb. And you don't recognize that it actually gets more people to listen to us. Long story short, thank you, haters, for also feeling something. I hate so, all you want. Five stars. Just uh, hate all you want. Five stars feels good. And Absolutely. Hate us all you want. And I think that'll do it for me with this closing of this, which is shout out to Kevin. Kevin does great work. And you know what? Even though we make fun of him on the show, it's always good to acknowledge him. And like I said, when we did the Geo episode, which he sent me very nice notes about today, it's not quite the same without him. So it, it is nice to know that uh, our podcast, we we do them sparingly where it's not both of us. I, but, you, I didn't notice a difference, but if you say <laughs> so, sounded the same to me. <laughs> yeah. I mostly just uh, I channeled a little bit of you in a couple questions <laughs> just to make up for it. And then I just smoked a whole bunch of weed because I was like, somebody needs to. But that'll do it for me. Perfect. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight uh, here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, Raph, I love your Christmas spirit. I'm in. Now you've, you've lifted me. I'm in. Good. And uh, now I can go back to being Scrooge. So it's a good reversal. I'm still going to be pushed out of the first two games.